0: Welcome, everyone, to House on Fire, and Austin Oaks Church Parenting Podcast, where we talk about all things parenting for every phase, our desires to raise the next generation of believers to be simply about Jesus. And today, we have Scott Smith on the podcast with us. Scott, how you doing, man?
1: Hey, Lucas. Thanks for having me today.
0: Absolutely. I'm glad we we're able to have you on. And so... Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about some prison ministry stuff and uh, a ministry that you're heavily involved in and crazy passionate about. And so, but before we kind of dive into that, let's talk about, uh, get to know you a little bit better, you and your family. So tell us about you and your family.
1: Yeah, um, I've been married for uh, 45 years to Pat. Uh, I have two boys, they're, they're late 30s, and I have five grandchildren.
0: That's awesome. Are both your boys uh, in the area?
1: no. Okay. One's in Montana and one's in Illinois. Okay. One's a doctor. One's an IT professional.
0: Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I love it. I love it. Well, tell us about prison ministry, Scott, and what that looks like and entails and, and all of that, man.
1: Yeah. This is a ministry of our church that uh, that I'm in charge of. It's called the New Life in Christ Prison Ministry. I've been doing it for about 10 years. The ministry's actually been around since 2007. Okay. Uh, As of the end of 2021, we were working with about 500 inmates. We have approximately 70 volunteers. Okay. Now, this ministry is done entirely through the mail. We don't go into prisons. Yeah. We utilize several studies that are sort of patterned on a 12-step, sort of an Alcoholics Anonymous type study, Mm -hmm. where... We send the uh, st- each step. We have 12 steps in a study, which is usually about s- eight pages. Uh, six of it is narrative, which includes Bible verses, and it's on a, a okay. topic of Christianity. Who's God? Who is Jesus? How to make amends? How to pray? How to study the Bible? Just basic Christian uh, uh, lessons.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: At the end, the uh, inmates answer... 20 to 25 questions that we ask. They send them back to us here at the church. Uh, Each volunteer works with the same inmate, and they respond, send back their uh, answers with comments, a prayer or some encouragement, or if they didn't get something quite right, we explain that to them. Yeah. And uh, then they send them the next lesson. Now, uh, we primarily we, we primarily uh, work in uh, Texas state jails, but we also have uh, people in other states, county jails, even some federal prisons. Okay. And uh, we're we're heavily uh, most of our uh, inmates are women. Okay. Uh, now it, it's varied from three-to-one to maybe two-to-one, okay. but it's primarily women. Interesting enough, our volunteers are about two-to-one women <laughs> to men, so that kind of works out really well. For sure. And uh, since we started the ministry, uh, we've had a lot of success. Um, since 2007, we've had 1,775 people either recommit their life to Christ or accept Christ as their Savior. Yeah, it's awesome it's it's been running about 150 a year for for a number of years uh and that's really rewarding to us mm. and we've had uh, s- uh, about 3000 people finish our our st- each one of our studies wow so, yeah. <clears throat> so it's a really nice reach and uh you know everybody gets blessed by this not only the prisoners but the volunteers do also
0: is there i mean you know, I'm aware of other prison ministries that you know that go into prisons that kind of stuff. Are there a, a a good amount of other ministries that specifically write letters, or you guys have a niche?
1: I wouldn't say we have a niche. there are other groups that do this, uh, but I'm pretty sure we're the biggest. I would think we're the biggest in Texas. Okay. Uh, I get referrals from uh, chaplains. Yeah, we're pretty well known. Uh, a, a number of other <coughs> ministries know about us, and I think our reach would—I I mean, I don't know for sure—but yeah. our reach is pretty big. Another thing I want to point out is uh, the ministry is really, really interesting because one, we, we do it pretty much anonymously or semi-anonymously. We do—we never give any personal information or even our f- full name. Okay. You, you can use your first name if you want to, but a lot of people use their initials or their or their middle name. Yeah. All the mail comes here at Austin Oaks, and I mail it out to the volunteers. So there's really, you know, it's it's pretty. The, the interesting thing about the ministry is though you can do it anywhere, hmm. and you can do it anytime. You can take as many inmates as you want or as little as you want. Yeah. Generally speaking, it takes maybe fifteen to twenty minutes to respond. And you might hear from uh, an inmate twice a month. So, you know, maybe an hour a month per inmate. We provide all the envelopes, all the material, and all the postage.
0: Okay. And, like, once somebody, like, you know, you start corresponding with them, is it like a, I mean, the goal is for to put them kind of through the 12-step program and then kind of the response is done? Or are you communicating with these folks, you know, for year after year after year?
1: If it's, a, first of all, we do have two two-step, 12-step programs. After that, we actually have a study solely on Luke, and after that, we have a, a, one solely on John. Okay. And to date, we've only had two people get through the John, cause the John lesson, because that's a whole lot of lessons. Yeah. From, from far. <laughs>
0: that's a lot of text.
1: Uh, we don't... Uh, we are allowed to share personal experiences if it's appropriate to what we're trying to get across. We were, we are very careful not to share too much personal information because the Texas department of criminal justice really does not want volunteers doing that for, for safety purposes. For sure. Yeah. Um, But I've got one guy I've worked with for 11 years. No way. Yeah.
0: You've been writing a guy back and forth for 11 years.
1: Started in 2010 man
0: i'm assuming he's obviously in prison for a while so
1: yes he is uh, uh yeah
0: man 11 years back in like, is this like a weekly communication or twice a month
1: about once a month i would say okay yeah man that's remarkable
0: wow wow that's awesome well scott like why do you i mean why are you a part of this particular ministry there's so many you know amazing opportunities In this life, to serve the Lord, honor the Lord with our lives and with our time and all that. Why why have you chosen this particular ministry?
1: There are a couple of of reasons for that, and and let me just go over a few of them, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The the first thing God showed me as I started uh, doing this ministry is is that there are Christians, and some are quite mature, Mm. in, in prison. And a common theme I get from these inmates is that they're spiritually lonely. They have few, if any, people they can talk to about spiritual things and mm. consider their environment. Okay? Yeah, for sure. In addition, a significant percentage of the inmates are never visited by anyone, sometimes including their families. Some of, some of these people's crimes were against their own family. Yeah. And some never even get a letter, right? I sent a guy a Christmas card one year and he says, no one's ever sent me anything in 15 years. Wow. Uh, these brothers and sisters in Christ need fellowship and love, and this ministry has allowed me to provide that for them. Mm. It's so rewarding and satisfying to know that God is letting me be an extension of his love and caring for these inmates. And the most humbling thing is many of the inmates tell me they're praying for me. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. How about that? <laughs> that's awesome.
1: A uh, second thing God showed me is that the inmates are hungry to learn more about Jesus and how he can change them. They're amazingly open about their lives and struggles. It's <clears> quite amazing what they'll tell me. And most letters get read by someone at the prison, yeah. a guard or someone. <laughs> the, the mail is not censored, but it's read. Yeah, uh, It's a perfect learning environment, and God lets me help me, and it blesses me. Although the ministry material really covers everything that they need to learn, there are many opportunities to share my faith and knowledge and experience. I've I've been a Christian a long time, almost 50 years. And I get to share that with them as I respond to their answers to the course questions. Now, a common issue is inmates can't forgive themselves. Hmm. Even the inmates that know God's forgiven them. And I think we'll talk about that later, but that is probably the number one thing we deal with. Wow. Uh, Using the ministry materials in my own experience, I can explain the sufficiency and totality of what Christ's sacrifice did for us and that God wants us to forgive ourselves so we feel worthy to call upon, rely upon, and get close Hmm. to him. The third thing God has shown me is that this ministry is an outstanding way to bring inmates to Christ. Many non-believing inmates, and they're usually referred by fellow inmates. In fact, I'd say 99% of the people that do this ministry were referred by another inmate. Hmm. The rest were by family members. Okay. They participate in this ministry. I've had people up front say I'm an atheist. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> Think about it. These inmates... No, they're not in control of their life. Now, how many people have said, I'm happy with my life. I don't need Jesus. <laughs> These guys aren't in control, and they know it. Yeah. They realize their plan for their life isn't working. Now, how many people do you talk to that say, well, I'm, you know, I want to run my own life. I don't, I don't need oh, Jesus man. to run my life for me. Yeah. And they have little hope, and they want a way out of their situation. Mm. Now, is this not the perfect situation to the deliver the gospel message to somebody? Man. So the gospel message is covered in the ministry material, but there are many opportunities to reinforce it. Uh, if you're timid or hesitant to share your faith, there's no better, safer, easier way than through this ministry. Hmm. No one's ever rejected me. No one's ever argued with me or made fun of me. They're open and searching. Yeah. The blessing is that my boldness in presenting the gospel has increased, and God has allowed me to see many inmates come to Christ as their Savior.
0: Man, that's remarkable.
1: Now, there's a couple of other things I, I wanted to cover about you know, why this ministry. One, one reason for uh, wanting to do the ministry is we're told to. hmm Hebrews 13, 3 says, remember those in prison as if you were bound with them and those who are mistreated as if you were suffering with them.
0: Mm.
1: Pretty clear command. Yes. I'm not saying that's a command to everybody, but that is something he wants the church to do. For sure. And Matthew 25, 24 says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, Mm. and you visited me. (laughs) So I think I have it on pretty good authority that. This is something worthy of doing. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. What well, makes me actually think of growing up? I remember more than one occasion having to visit my mom or my dad or a stepdad, and in, uh, in prison. And they, <clears throat> many of them uh, ended up there. And so it's just it's making me think of my upbringing in many ways. As you uh, and hardly we never went and visited. It was kind of like a thing that. Never really happened, and so I'm just imagining what that would be like to be in that situation, and nobody comes to visit you, or even write you a letter. Um, I actually remember multiple times getting letters from my stepdad from prison. Um, he wasn't a very nice guy, so I never replied. But um, anyway, so I'm just—it's making me think of all these things in my life as I was growing up. That was a part of my upbringing. Um, so you obviously find great joy in being a part of this and doing this and and uh what what has God taught you through this ministry? I mean that's uh, I mean you've been a Christian almost 50 years so obviously the Lord has taught you many things Scott, but what would be some of the things that the Lord has really taught you that's been a huge blessing for you in this ministry that you've been a part of?
1: Um what I've learned it's it certainly changed my view of people in prison. Mm. They're like us. Yeah. <laughs> They're, but for the grace of God, go I. <laughs> yes. There's a number of things. Y- you know, sometimes I read their responses and it's just like I'm writing a friend. I uh, find that th- they have a lot of wisdom. Mm-hmm. There, there are times, some of these people are so spiritually mature that I make copies of their answers so I can use them with other inmates that write in because their answers are so good. They're better than anything I would come up. Yeah. The other thing though that I learned, we, one of our, a couple of our steps in, in two of our studies do what we call a personal inventory. And we talk about what their life was like when they were, young, when they grew up, how they related to people. Yeah, And what I found was that a large majority of these people were abused in some way hmm. as a child. Yeah, It could be sexual, emotional, physical, bullying, but it's a common theme. And a lot of times my wife and I will work on responses Together, yeah, and we'll read these people's life stories, and we'll go. If I was raised like this, mm-hmm. I'd be in prison too. Shoot, yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of research that's been done, neuroscientists in particular, that indicates that, particularly for youth. Uh, emotional trauma does affect the brain, particularly the frontal cortex where you learn emotions. I guess that controls emotions. It also controls your ability to uh, act out things. And there is some proof that they, they've done some imaging of brains of some inmates, particularly violent inmates. And they found that the the front part of the brain is smaller than it is in the normal population. Mm. And in some cases that might be genetic or hereditary, but in other cases it it could be due to what happened when they were, when they were young. And, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a test that's called the, uh, adverse childhood experience test. It's called the ACE quiz. And the medical community uses this because they've learned that if you take this test, that you, depending on your score, the higher your score, the more likely you are to have physical problems when you reach adulthood and, mm. and there on. And there's various, I took it, thank God I got a zero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm assuming you had good parents that loved you and yes, yeah, which uh, you're a product of the what, privilege of your parents which what is it, great
1: what it looks at is uh there's abuse uh physical emotional and sexual there's neglect which is physical and emotional and then there's household dysfunction mm-hmm. mental illness incarcerated relative, mother treat treated you violently substance abuse or divorce and the medical community actually uses this uh because it gets them a beat on some of the physical that comes out later. I'm positive it comes out spiritually and it comes mm. out emotionally. And this is just a common thread. It's not to say that everyone that has problems and was abused becomes a criminal, but yeah. it's a, it's the common element. And to me you want to reach out to these people and that's why we often stress the renewing of the mind that that jesus can bring because they need a renewed mind yes sir as we all do but they maybe need it more than most
0: yeah man fascinating i man what you know um i've known plenty of parents in my 11 years of doing student ministry and uh that have had students who have uh, that have been in great families, and I've known students who've been in rough families, you know, including myself. and And some of them end up in prison. So, I it's, there's people that are coming to my mind as I think about, it, as I often uh, want to, as I think about them, I want to pray for them just because I know their stories and things that they've gone through. And so, what wisdom would you share with parents specifically who have who have a teenager? I mean, they may be a teenager now, and you know, and they're in the juvenile system of some sort or, or they may you know they may be a married couple or fifty and they're you know their son's my age in their thirties still in prison or their daughter or whatever and so like what wisdom would you share with parents who've had a teenager who has been in prison or, or is still in prison
1: all right uh, I have I have a few thoughts on that. Uh first of all don't blame yourself. Hmm. Uh, when my when my son my son went to Christian high school One day they were uh, on a service project, and they went to a halfway house, and they were moving stuff around. It was their seventh grade class. Yeah. And the halfway house decided that they would have one of the people there talk to them, and it was a a young woman who was African-American, I would say 24, 25, and I saw her beforehand getting ready to talk to them, and she really had put on her makeup right and she was real concerned about how she would look to the kids and she talked to them but you know they they weren't relating to her you know she she was black they were all white uh, they probably assumed that you know she grew up in a poor section of town and, and her story didn't really resonate but when they were when she was done I they said do you have any questions and I said well where'd you grow up yeah she said, oh, I grew up in Highland Park, Texas. Well, that's like growing up in Terrytown here, okay? Mm. And I said, well, where'd you go to school? And I think she went to one of the elite private schools for yeah. girls Yeah, in Dallas. I said, well, what's your dad do? Well, he's a surgeon. And all of a sudden, all these kids go, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is someone who had the privileges we had. Exactly right. And she was real clear. She says, my parents didn't do anything wrong. Mm. They were loving parents. I made a bad choice. Mm. So that happens. It's, it doesn't yeah. mean you failed as a parent. Yeah. Another story is mm, it, uh, about 10 years ago, Rob Harrell, the pastor at Austin Oaks at the time, had a guy named Bill Glass come talk. Bill Glass was a pro football player who went into ministry. And he he told a story that a, uh, previously, about a month ago, he, before he was speaking to us, he had gone to a uh, jail for juveniles. And there were about 50 guys, it was boys. There are 50 boys there. yeah, And he said, uh, he asked the warden, he said, how many of these boys, because they were under 18, how many of these boys moms have come to see them said every one of them wow said how many of their dads have come he said one man he got in a fight with his kid and he left man so from that i would say love on your kids yeah. okay because that was obviously missing in these boys lives yeah it was it's it's very very important that uh you, you continue to love your kids No matter what, yeah. and the third thing is the the whole thing about particularly for males, particularly for males, is their right front their right frontal cortex does not develop as quickly yeah. as, as it does for <coughs> women or girls, and guys do dumb stuff, and that's part of the reason okay <laughs> I always wondered why some of my friends did crazy stuff, and we know better now. I recently read about a judge who said, you know, if we'd known." the neuroscience better, I would have changed some of the sentences mm. I handed down because mm. she wasn't convinced that they had full faculties. Yeah. Wow,
0: man. Well, the amount of stories that you've read and heard and been a part of, I could only imagine just, uh, the wisdom that you could share. And I appreciate you sharing that. And and you hinted towards identity issues and, And so, what identity issues you know have arrived that you have helped counsel other people through? And man, I can't help but think too. Like when I speak with somebody, you know, it's it's on the spot. I've you know I've got to uh, pray and ask the Lord to give me wisdom. But when you know, and as well as when writing. But man, I'm thinking as I'm writing a letter to somebody, I'm gonna I'm gonna really think through the things I'm gonna say. I'm gonna I want to be very clear and articulate and just be very purposeful with my words. And so. Like, what does that look like for you to counsel these people while ministering to them through sending them letters?
1: Because a lot of the themes are the same, we've actually uh, written up some things. No, that's awesome. Particularly on forgiveness. Uh, You attack it different ways. It depends on their spiritual condition. But as far as forgiveness, there are plenty of verses that say God has forgotten our sins or he's Thrown them into the depths of the ocean, or he's separated them as far as the east is from the the west. west. And I ask the question sometimes: uh, If you, why are you dredging up something that God doesn't care about anymore? Mm. What what sense does that make? Yeah. Um, We try and explain that God has forgiven our sins, past, present, and future. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes we talk about that's actually the problem. With feeling that way, it's like if you think that you've let your father down and you're so ashamed, mm-hmm. you keep bringing up a failure you made, you, won't, you don't feel, and I'm talking about your earthly father, yeah. you, don't, you may not feel worthy to ask your father for something, to go see your father, to hug your father. Yeah. God doesn't want you to feel that way, mm-hmm. and that is the problem with pulling up past sins. It makes yeah. you think you're not worthy. And therefore, it harms your relationship with God, which we know he doesn't want. Yeah.
0: I'm assuming there's a lot of counseling just with family dynamics. And because I'm assuming some of these people get out of prison, you know, and I, I would assume some of them want to reconcile with family and may have a really hard time doing that. Or uh, have you come across some opportunities to counsel those with those types of questions? and.
1: That's probably the second. The first request we usually get from, from inmates is to make parole. The next, <laughs> <laughs> The next, it's probably forgiveness. And then the third one is reconciliation mm. with families. Yeah, we get Man. that a lot. All I really can do is pray, is pray with them. In a lot of cases, their families won't contact them. We are absolutely not allowed to contact anybody's family to help in any way. We for sure we can't do that, and I I don't get asked to very often.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to think. Like, if I had a had parents, you know, that you know were asking me, Lucas, you know, my son and daughter's going to get out of prison, and we know they're going to want to talk to us, and we don't want to talk to them. And, um, man, I just. I can't. Ha- I mean, my kids are so young, so I can't, e- can't even understand what it would be like to um, have to process through that. But I would assume that uh, many parents choose to not have reconciliation. And I would assume, and I could be completely wrong, and you know, you've obviously had lots of experience in this interaction and that kind of stuff. But I am assuming even most Christian parents would rather not have interaction with their you know, uh, son or daughter that has been incarcerated. Would that be the case?
1: I actually don't know. Uh, we we do have some inmates that continue on after they get out of prison. Yeah. But usually we don't. Okay. We don't hear from them again. It. I think it probably depends on their crime. Mm. If their crime was against yeah. their family, yeah. there's a lot less openness for forgiveness than if it was against someone that wasn't related in some way of the family.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. Wow. Well, why is this ministry so important to you and even those that you guys are serving?
1: It's the results that we see. We get letters. I actually went through my file and I found about 30 letters that inmates had written just to my wife and I about how much the ministry meant to them. Yeah. But because I run the entire ministry, I see pretty much every letter that comes in. I don't read them usually. I don't have enough time. But yeah. I see some fabulous, fabulous letters hmm. from people. I know these people are being blessed. And recently, one came in from a man who wasn't a believer when he started doing the ministry. He worked with a different volunteer. And through this guys, he worked, he did the ministry for seven years, this inmate did. And he was in prison, I believe, because he was part of a uh, racist gang. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a letter to the volunteer, and he also wrote a letter to our pastor about how, our ministry had changed his view Mm. and he was no longer a racist. And then he wrote a very interesting letter about how he had talked to a guard Mm. at the prison that had cancer. And the guard didn't... He said he believed in God, but he didn't feel that he should ask God to heal him. This inmate witnessed to the guy Mm -hmm. and told him, no, when Christ paid the price, he paid the price for everything, and he, you, you're absolutely worthy mm. to go to him. And then he said to the volunteer in the letter, and I learned this from you. Mm. Your ministry makes a difference. Wow. He actually said, your ministry is not in vain. Yeah. Uh, that's great stuff. Man, that's awesome.
0: So not only are inmates being blessed, but also the the guards and those who are working there are being influenced and blessed as well
1: yeah in that case yeah yeah that's awesome man that that's
0: awesome you you mentioned <clears throat> you know th- the issue of uh forgiveness and and we tested a, l- a little bit on identity um but would love to lean in just a little bit more with that and what you know and when you say that you know many of them inmate, in- inmates struggle with identity like wh- wh- what do you mean by that and like what is that how does that manifest in your guys' conversations with the inmates?
1: When we trust Christ as Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. I think we go through a lifelong process of learning what that means. Yeah. But a lot of cases they really haven't been taught what that does for them. Mm. That it gave God gave us all things. Mm-hmm. And we we try and flesh that out through through our studies, uh, the importance of of prayer, yeah. uh, reading the Bible. We we talk about making amends. A lot of talk about making amends, and that's really helpful to some of these inmates. They it really takes a, a burden off of them. <laughs> we explain why it's important and how to do it, uh, and that's that really can bring a lot of peace. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, what ways have you seen God move in this ministry? And you've mentioned a few of those in our time together, but any other specific ways you'd like to mention than how you've seen God move in this ministry?
1: One of the interesting things is how many of the people we deal with refer other inmates. Mm-hmm. That's how this ministry works. Yeah. It, it has slowed down some since COVID. Oh I'm sure. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and there's been a lot of movement, particularly among the women's jails. They get moved around. So we've we've dropped off a little bit. But we do get a awful we get a lot of <coughs> referrals. And that's really been exciting. One story I'll tell you is is my wife uh, through some unusual circumstances, she ended up meeting one of the inmates she worked with. And it was it was it, that's very rare, that almost never happens. Yeah. But this one happened because she actually went this this woman got out, went to another church in the area, started talking to the director there about this prison ministry. Well, it turns out that director used to go to church here and did this ministry <laughs> that's awesome. and knew who, who Pat was. <laughs> wow. Pat said, Do you want to meet this? She didn't tell her, you know, who it was, but yeah. she said, Do you want to meet her? Pat went and met her. Well, the interesting thing is when she met this when the volunteer when the, excuse me, when the inmate met this woman at the church, she said, yeah, I did this ministry. It was great. Opened her purse and pulled out every study that my wife had ever responded to. She was carrying them around in her purse. That's how much it meant to her.
0: Yeah. it's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. And I don't know if you said this, it's called God of hope ministries, right?
1: No, New Life in Christ. New Life in Christ.
0: Okay, New Life in Christ. Okay. But
1: but I will put in a plug for God of Hope. Go ahead. I'd love for you to. God of Hope is a ministry that's headquartered here at Austin Oaks Church, although it is not sponsored by the church. This is where it's headquartered. Yeah. The man that runs it is Robert DeRoe, who's a member here. Yeah. Uh, they're totally different from us. Yeah. They go into prisons and they sponsor faith-based dorms. They have one at the Coleman unit in Lockhart, which is a woman's unit, yeah. and the Travis Jail in East Austin, which mm-hmm. is a men's unit. Okay. Uh, and it's face-to-face, yeah. uh, very successful ministry. Robert's a wonderful guy. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, yeah, he, he's great. So, yeah, that's got
0: him. Okay, gotcha. All right. I wanted to make sure that I, I just, I was confusing the two in my mind. Actually, I remember the first time I met Robert, I got here six years ago. He was the first dad to, and for him and I to go out for lunch, actually, six years ago when I got here to Austin Oaks. He's a, he's a great dad. He's a great guy. You've talked some about, you know, brokenness and the fact that, and this has been a tension in my mind as a pastor, uh, working with students uh, more of late, but where, I, I I love the fact that we have students and kids who have grown up in the church. I mean, I, I think it's amazing. Moms and dads who have uh, loved their kids and teenagers as best as possible, honored the Lord, made mistakes for sure, but just doing the best that they can. And um, But an observation that I have made is that many people who grow up in the church have not necessarily fully understood brokenness and not, and maybe that's not their own fault. I don't, I don't, you know, this is what observations that I've seen, but, but those that I've seen that have been broken, that have really, truly understood how messed up their lives were, um, and how they loved sin so much. And it drove them to make decisions that were not honoring uh, or best for them or for the Lord. And, those who are, have been truly broken, uh, understand, uh, the gospel in a deeper way than those who have not been broken. And just again, observation that I've made in ministry. So, you know, uh, of late more so than ever. And, um, so how does brokenness play into, I mean, these are people who have, I mean, man, I, this is worst case scenario. I mean, the only other thing I can think of that's worse than this is you're on death row. I, I don't know. And some of these people maybe are. So I'm trying to think like, what's worse than from a humanistic perspective on this earth, what's worse than prison? I, I don't know. Like that, that's about as low as of a situation you can probably find yourself in. So how does brokenness play into your guys' conversations?
1: It is really, really common for us to have inmates tell us that the best thing that ever happened to them was going to prison. Man. And that happens a lot. Yeah. Because they are now, they have a lot of time on their hands. (laughs) Yeah. And they're forced to think about their lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lucas, I noticed you sent me an email prior to this. And when you signed it, you said, don't waste your life. Yes. And I think, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to say, hey, I am wasting my life here. I don't like this environment. I don't want this to continue. And it forces you. A lot of times in life we try and fill our lives up with things that keep our mind off our problems or keep our mind off thinking about the things that really matter. I don't know that you can do that in prison. Oh, man. (laughs) You have to to face what's really going on. And a lot of people turn their lives around because prison isn't always bad. Okay. Mm. Sometimes it's actually a way God gets your attention.
0: For sure. Yeah. Well, and, you know, for as a, an adult, you, you can run away to work or run away to hobby, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of people, most of us were not great at taking time to sit down and meditate, to think about what the Lord's teaching us, and we can be on the go and, uh, as you said, you you can't do that in prison. <laughs> You've got a lot of time to be able to process those things. So, um, if a family wanted to serve and be a part of the ministry, what what where would you guide them and direct them uh, to help them to be able to make that happen?
1: Well, I'm always looking for volunteers. Yeah. The uh, Austin Oaks website. If you go there and you go to the Connect tab on the on the home page and then under ministries if you scroll if you go to ao city and you scroll down it'll have the new life in christ prison ministry there okay there's a little mail box there and you can send me an email i will i can train you through the mail and you could start corresponding with inmates fairly fairly quickly I. uh it doesn't take usually I have some waiting for for a volunteer and it doesn't take too long to set them up and currently I could use both female and male volunteers. Okay. I have had uh families do it before. Uh, sometimes they do it together cuz it will give you a understanding and an and an appreciation that you know these are these are people for the most part, just like us, they may have made a mistake or they may have had an addiction problem. I mean, keep that in mind. Sometimes it's just an addiction problem. For sure. And it, it it'll open it will open your eyes, but it'll bless you too, and it'll stretch you somewhat. You occasionally will We'll get some questions from them that make you why do i believe that I, i'm on a check yeah you know, i better look into that before oh, i tell them this i love it so it's really easy to get set up and started and i can do it completely through the mail
0: okay i love it yeah i was just confirming the website i see you guys there new life in christ and you just click on uh learn more and it takes you right to your email and they can message you is there an age group you know if a if uh you know, high schooler wanted to help correspond, maybe would that be under the guidance of their parents? I kind of think they would kind of do it together, or I would assume a majority of, of people are, you would, would probably want adults.
1: Parents should be involved. Uh, they, I don't believe the Texas Department of Criminal Justice lets minors go in unaccompanied. So I, we would have to follow that for, sure. for this. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm very, very grateful for your time, Scott, and your willingness to share your heart and And uh, hopefully people will be able to run into you around Austin Oaks and ask you more questions about just prison ministry stuff. And so I, I appreciate your time very much,
1: sir. Well, again, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us today on the House on Fire podcast. Please share this so others can be blessed by the conversation we had today. And we'll see you all next time.